It's good having you here tonight, and I uh, just want to welcome you in. It is July, and summer joined us. Isn't it crazy how it just got hot all of a sudden? But we're here now, and I'm glad you're with us, uh, welcoming you on our other campuses, as well as our online group. And uh, we are continuing in our series, the book of Proverbs, and that word proverb uh, simply means to be like something. And so the book of Proverbs is a book really of comparisons, comparing uh, ideas and concepts and things that are familiar with spiritual realities. Someone has said that Proverbs are short sentences that come from long experiences. And that's the truth. When you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to see that. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can open up there now to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be moving around a lot today. And so I actually don't have an existing text for you. We're going to be moving. But as we go through this book together a little bit tonight, uh, you'll notice that these look like one-liners. They could look like a series of random thoughts pulled together, but they're not. They're intentionally the word of God, the word that he wants us to know that is designed to guide our life, to grant us wisdom, to live out the kind of experience, to enjoy the kind of life that he had envisioned for us when he made us. Thus far, we've talked about that idea of what wisdom is linked to the fear of God. We'll mention that a little bit later. We've talked about the Proverbs relating to work, and then last week about God's guidance. And today we're gonna talk about probably the most prominent theme, apart from the fear of God, found in the book of Proverbs. And that is the concept of the fool. The fool. Growing up, I watched some movies, and in those movies, I had my learning. I was taught about what a fool was like from watching them. First is this one, if you remember Gandalf, he is yelling at his compadres, his, his traveling fellowship, and he's basically saying, fly, you fools, go to your safety. You're in danger. Second one that I remember is this movie from Vicini. If you remember this movie, you're old like I am. But it's, you know, it's like recognizing that there's a lack of intelligence, perhaps, a lack of understanding that somehow we're not quite there. And then if you're in the late 70s, early 80s, I pity the fool. And in that way, you see a potential danger because you're foolish, you're something that good, bad could happen to you because of that reality. And this doesn't happen very often. Uh, but strangely, those three movie characters kind of give you a general sense of what it means to be a fool. They agree with the Bible that there is this idea of sorrow and misery and danger that comes to someone who is a fool. But when we open God's word, we're gonna delve deeper into what a foolish person is like because there it'll explain to us why this issue of a fool should matter to you. You come in here today and you're like, well, I don't, this isn't that big a deal. It should really matter to you whether or not you are a fool. Because I don't care who's listening, where you're at today, you're in one of three conditions. You are either a fool or two, you are playing the fool in some aspect of your life or you are wise. You're in one of those conditions. You are a fool, you are playing the fool in some aspect of your life or you are wise. And I know that all of us would like to think that we are wise all the time, but my experience tells me from my own heart that we play the fool a lot in certain aspects of who we are and how we live. And it's a very dangerous life to live. And I want to walk that through with you today. 
Solomon writes in Proverbs 1.22, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Solomon saw the outcome of foolishness in his own generation and he wanted his readers to avoid it. And I'm wanting the same for you and for me today. To run from the foolishness in your own heart. Now to do that though, we're gonna have to do a little work. And so we're gonna have an anatomy of a fool. We're gonna break that down together today. And I wanna start by looking at the heart of a fool. That's your first blank in your notes. What is the heart of the fool all about? I told you to go to Proverbs, but I'm gonna start in Psalms. And it's just a single verse, but it's a great verse. Psalm 14, one says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. When we look at the anatomy of who is a fool, what does that even mean? The first thing we have to recognize is there's two truths in this one verse. The first is a theological truth, and it's this. The fool rejects God. That is the truth he starts with. They say there is no God in his heart. Now, when you interact with people that are in the world, you'll recognize that sometimes they are loud and brash and they're shaking their fist at the heavens saying, there's no such thing as God. But I found most times people don't have that aggressive and overt and outlandish approach. In fact, if you're friends with a fool, they probably won't tell you they don't believe in God. But in their heart, they absolutely reject God. And they reject him because they don't want to deal with the consequential reality of that relationship. You see, to admit and accept the existence and preeminence of God requires a person to also admit and accept that two things. God has authority of your life, and now you're accountable for how you live. If you say there's a God and you believe there's a God, you recognize he's in charge and I'm accountable to that God for how I carry my life. Someone may not utter those words, there is no God. But the fool mumbles those words in their heart consistently because they either have no room or no time or no willingness to have God in their life. In your notes, I wrote this quote or the statement, according to scripture, fools are not lacking in intelligence, they're lacking in submission. So make sure you catch that as we talk about a fool today, we're not talking about their intelligence, we're talking about someone's submission to the God of the universe. The fool doesn't reject God because of some rational conclusion they came to, but because admitting there is a God who rules the universe requires too much of them. Now this is interesting because it creates a dilemma. Because if you look around and you see all that you see, you have to find an alternate explanation for the world around you. Just look at creation for one example. Some of the most intelligent people in the history of humankind have looked at creation and still rejected God and they had to get there by coming to some conclusions that don't make a lot of sense. 
When you observe the world and the universe we live in, it's easy to recognize that it did not, it did not come into existence by chance. Something or someone initiated the beginning of what you and I see every day. We call this in apologetics, there's a first cause. There was a cause that brought everything into existence. And if you know your Bibles, you know that God is that first cause. He alone created the universe. And it's interesting that the only thing that would not have to be given existence is the thing that exists as part of its very nature. Let me say that again. The only thing that would not have to be given existence is the thing that exists in its very nature. This something then would have to exist, it would have to have no beginning, it would have no limits, the cause would not, would be outside of time and they would be infinite. Does that remind you of anyone? That's God. This concept is rooted so much in scripture, we don't have time to deal with it, but if you go back to the book of Exodus, when Moses says to, to God, who should I tell them you are? He says, tell them I am. That is a statement of existence prior to anything else. Not I was, I will be, I will become, I am. When you carefully observe life, you notice there's a cause and you have to evaluate what is the greatest cause that could, could cause this to happen. When you observe life and creation, you also will notice that there's a there's an order to it. There's a design that seems to point to a, a designer. Even critics of religion in the Bible frequently will concede that when you look at biology and you look at nature, they give every appearance of a design to them. Yet the fool sees that design and they seek and search and passionately look for any other explanation than God. In the fool's heart, they have to reject the existence of God. They have to reject the importance of God. Even if the best explanation for what they see is that God triggered all of this. When you consider people in your world, whether they are surrounding you or fools, consider what they do with God. Do they reject the existence of God whether overtly with a fist to the heavens or practically by how they live their life without any restraints. The fool says in his or her heart, there is no God. That's a theological truth. The second, there's a moral truth, and that is a fool embraces sin. It says, it goes on in that same verse, they are corrupt, these people that reject God, their deeds are vile and there is no one who does good. You see, they're linked. When you reject God, you are going to embrace sin. It just goes together. When you reject the transcendent, all-powerful, holy God from your worldview, you and I, even, if, even now, you can do this, you will feel empowered to live out your own attitudes, your own actions without the constraint of a moral authority. This is what happens when you sin. It happens when you're on the highway and you know there's a speed limit that says a certain number, let's say 65. 
Now we know that's a round kind of a, a number that we try to use, but then you just kind of block that out, don't you? Because that moral authority over that doesn't bother you anymore. This is the kind of attitude that happens here. If you look in the news, perhaps this month more than most, you might see people's behavior and their attitudes or their activities and their actions and wonder to yourself, how do they do what they do and think that's okay? I'm not sure if you do that, but I wander around and I, and I think, that is, seems so repulsive, so wrong, how come they can't see that? Well, the reason is why, why that's so is that God is out of the equation in their life. And when you don't have God and you reject his authority, you become the one that defines what's right and wrong. And there are no limits. Last week, Pastor, a couple weeks at the beginning of the series, Pastor Todd talked about the fool as someone who casts off the fear of the Lord. When you do that, you act as if there's no consequence for your behavior. And that is a fool. Someone who rejects the existence of God, whether literally or whether functionally, and then says, I'm gonna do what I want to do and I will embrace the life I want to embrace. And it leads to brokenness. When you look at fools, when I use that word today, I just wanna recognize I have no animosity to people in the world who do those two things. In fact, if anything, I have pity for them. I pity the fool. Because there's a brokenness that they can't even see. The fool says in his heart, there's no God, there's no rules, there's no judgment, therefore there's no worries. So before we go any further, as we look at the heart of a fool, let me ask you, are you a fool? Are you trying to live as if God doesn't matter? It's a great question to probe because the time to ask that question is now and not when you enter eternity. Or maybe are you playing the fool? Maybe there's an area of your life where you are allowing God to be blocked from your line of sight so that you can do what you want to do. I want you to discover that. And so we're gonna take now and not look at the heart only of a fool, but I wanna watch through five characteristics or traits of a fool. The character of a fool. And I want you to read these with me. They're gonna go really fast. We're gonna zip right through these. But I want you to kind of track with me and see if you can trace along and see yourself perhaps in them. The first characteristic of a fool is that a fool or foolish people are uninformed. They are uninformed according to scripture. Proverbs 14, seven says this, stay away from a fool for you will not find knowledge on their lips. You, they just won't have the knowledge you need. I don't know if you've ever, anyone in high school ever got stuck in group things where you have to get together with like a group of eight people to work on a project. Do you know those people in the project that don't do anything? If that's you, I apologize. If that was you in the project, I get it. Okay, we forget, everyone's forgiving. But I get in those situations, you're like, oh, what in the world? They just don't have anything to offer. 
They're just, they're not doing a thing. That is what a fool is according to scripture. The fool may think that they know deep truths about important factors, but they are uninformed, the scripture says. And so they offer nothing of lasting value to a conversation. And we have to be careful because a fool is like a virus. Their words are highly contagious. Number two, foolish people are unfocused. Proverbs 17, 24 says, a discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. If you remember our first weekend in the series, Pastor Todd talked about the nature of wisdom and wisdom, it was personified. Wisdom goes into the streets shouting, wanting people to notice her. It's, it's a female personification of the Bible. And it's shouting in the streets, listen to me, hear me. Wisdom is shouting. But it isn't heard by everyone. Here you can see the discerning person keeps wisdom in view. The discerning person hears wisdom echoing through the word of God, through the voices of people in your life that honor God and you are tuned to it, but a fool, their eyes wander to the ends of the earth. They lose sight of what is wise and the attention focuses to whatever else is around them. The fool is a wishful thinker, a, a person who plans only for now. They do have grandiose schemes, they have plans to do this or that, but for a fool that never comes to fruition because they're unfocused. They are the master of shiny objects. Is that where you're at? Number three, foolish people are unrestrained. Proverbs 29, 11 says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. That first line there literally reads in the Hebrew, a fool gives out all of their breath. It's our way of trying, to, the way they write it, interpret it for us is trying to help us understand that, but basically it's saying, they give everything out their breath. They hold nothing back. They exhaust every part of their opinions, their frustrations, their attitudes, their anger. These kind of fools let everything out all the time onto people. And that's why they're never learning is because they're always talking. Proverbs 12, 16, another verse on this. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Fools show their annoyance at once. It's immediate when this person speaks because they're unrestrained. They don't know how to limit their reaction to a situation. Proverbs 14, 16 says this, the wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. It's an interesting joining of those two ideas. They are hot-headed, they lose their mind but yet they still feel secure in themselves. That word hot-headed, we culturally mean, we kind of think of it in one term, but in this particular text in the Hebrew, that idea here is one who meddles in a quarrel, in a quarrelsome way. 
They get in the middle of conversations. They get in the middle of relationships and they just chirp. And they are negative and they are quick to respond with anger. They're quick to react and usually they're quick to overreact. And once this kind of fool, the unrestrained fool here, is engaged in a relationship with you, they will hold on to a grievance, a hurt, a wound, and they won't let it go even if you seek to gain forgiveness. Full vent to rage, hot-headed, arrogant. Look at those terms. In our culture, we might use a different idiom, loose cannons. And they go off, and you're not sure what they're gonna hit, but they're gonna hit something because they're unrestrained. Number four, foolish people are unreliable. They are unreliable. Proverbs 26, 6 Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. I just, I love God's word. He just pulls no punches here. If you're gonna give a message to a fool, it's like you cutting off your feet. It's like drinking poison. Those are graphic images. Foolish people, simply put, cannot be trusted with great responsibilities. They will either kill your plans or they will impede your efforts. A term that we might use is You shoot yourself in the foot when you trust a fool. And you might have all the best motives in wanting to trust someone. By the way, I hope you do. I hope you can trust people. But when it comes to a fool, they will let you down. And recognize that at some point, if you keep trusting a fool, you're the fool. You are the one that is lacking insight because you're putting your confidence in someone who is consistently not held into the bargain. If you wanna try to figure out from your life who a fool is, it's someone who has a difficult time gaining and then keeping the respect of people in their life. They might be able to gain respect but a fool has a very difficult time maintaining it and keeping it and even growing it because they don't land. They don't follow through. The last of the five qualities or traits, foolish people are undisciplined. Proverbs 21, 20 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. I had a teenage, my son's 20. He is the king of gulpers. I don't think food actually gets digested. It just swallows holes, it goes through. You've probably had people eat that way. Uh, this is a little different because the context here is someone who is saving and the other person is like, just eat it all now. One person has put it this way, fools may know the price of everything, but they know the value of nothing. Fools may know the price of everything, but they know the value of nothing. They lack the discipline to delay their gratification 
and often do things or buy things that allow them to enjoy their life now but fail to prepare themselves for what's yet to come. At the heart of a fool is, is a selfishness. They have resources, they have time, they have energy, but they waste those things to feed their own personal desires without concern for others. There's only five I gave you right there. There's actually 17 I found in scripture I could have had, but I wanted you to get home this weekend. You're welcome. But those five are enough to give you a flavor of what a fool is like, what their character looks like. Do you see one of those five that maybe would ring true in your heart? Do you see maybe some habits in your life that you need to submit again to the leadership of God because in that one particular area, you, oh, I'm acting like God's not seeing this and he is there and he wants me to grow in that area. In a moment, we're gonna talk about how you should respond to the fools in your life. That's how we're gonna end our time together. But before we can deal with the fool beside you, you need to deal with the fool inside of you. And so what I want you to do, just in the quietness of this moment, and maybe in the privacy, you can block your papers so your wife or family member doesn't see you, but circle one of those five that you feel like God is pushing on you that, that this is something I need to address. Doesn't mean you're a terrible person right now, but you recognize perhaps that God is not letting his wisdom be seen in that area of your life. When you circle that, if you really want to do something bold and courageous, share that with someone in your life and ask them to say, hey, would you hold me accountable this week for that? I'm wanting God to work in this area of my life. So talk to a family member, a friend, whoever it might be, and say, I want you, call me up about this. I'm giving you permission to call me, to find out how I'm doing on this topic, this area of my life. And then I'd encourage you to pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you and to prompt you and to empower you to take another step towards submission again to the Lordship of Jesus Christ over that area. Let's finally wrap up with how we respond to the fools in our life. Your response to a fool. How should you respond to fools that come into your life? Proverbs 26, four to five is one of the most confusing passages you could ever have. I'm gonna read it for you. Do not answer a fool according to his folly or you yourself will be just like him. Next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly or he'll be wise in his own eyes. You put them together. One says don't answer a fool. The very next verse says no, answer a fool. And you look at it and go, okay, was confusion going on here? Is this a problem in the writing? Not at all. I think these verses are dealing with the challenges that we face when you encounter foolish people. Because on the one hand, we know that fools are doing things and saying things and acting out in ways that are flat out wrong and destructive. And so in our desire to help them, we reach out and say, hey, listen up, I'm trying to help you. This is a blind spot, you're missing it. And we challenge them. 
On the flip side, there are also fools in your life that you know that have tended to ignore what other people have to say. You've been burned before trying to bring perspective to a fool and sometimes it's not worth the effort to speak. Solomon's saying, you've got to figure out, use discernment of the fools in your life. Do I speak to them? Do I give them the word of God to challenge them or do I just ignore them? It's a great challenge. So I want to walk this through with you because as you look at this discernment, you have got to discover who are the fools in your life and what kind of fools they are. You have three in your life. We're going to wrap up these three. First, you have the oblivious fool. The oblivious fool, Proverbs 14, 15. The simple, this fool, believes anything, but the prudent give their thought, give thought, excuse me, to their steps. That word simple there can be translated, continue your translation as uh, like a naive or ignorant, but those, that the root idea of that word simple is that you are open. It's an idea of an open door. The oblivious fool has left the door of their heart and their mind open to anything that comes in so that they have beliefs and ideologies and values that are all making a little home in their head they don't have discernment. They don't have a filter. So you look at their view of family. You look at their view of work and recreation, faith and truth, right and wrong, God and morality. All of these things are swimming in their brains because they are open to it all. They are an oblivious fool. C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, describes this sort of fool, as I'm quoting now, having a dozen incompatible philosophies dancing about together inside their head. This is the oblivious fool. They have all of these ideas in their head, but they have no filter. Therefore, every value, every idea carries weight and no concepts are discarded. That's why an oblivious fool has a difficult time setting a direction for their life because they have too many voices in their head telling them which way to go. So all the spinning philosophies that they're listening to, they just will hop from here and then you'll see them hop to here. I thought you were, no, you're not that anymore. What are you now? You watch them because they can't figure out where to land. This kind of fool the oblivious fool has learned how to exist and, and uh, deal with this cacophony in their heads. They don't do the hard work of sifting through this, comparing their own values that they're hearing to the word of God. So they don't choose wisdom. And because they don't choose wisdom, they are often easily misled. When you find an oblivious fool in your life, you'll find that they make mistakes a lot. They often get taken. One person has said this way, this sort of fool is dangerously immature, extremely gullible, and intensely curious. Think of those qualities here. Dangerously immature, extremely gullible, intensely curious. That's a bad combination for a fool. How do you respond? You teach and you challenge them. This sort of fool, the oblivious fool, there is hope for them. There's still the possibility that they could come to their senses. That's why as believers, it is our responsibility to step into those moments with the truth of God's word 
and share what they need to hear in that moment because there is hope for them. Proverbs 8, 5, and 6 says, You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. And then notice this. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. Your oikos, your relational world, needs you to have trustworthy things to say to them. That's why we challenge you to know this. Knowing what's in here allows you to have trustworthy things to say to the people in your world. You don't want just to be another empty voice swirling in their head. You want to bring the word of God which doesn't return void and it accomplishes why God sends it there. If you are parents, your kids usually land in this category. In fact, the book of Proverbs says that foolishness, folly, is bound up in the heart of a child. This is normal. It's part of development. There is an obliviousness to your kids, and that's why you as a parent have to shape their hearts with the word of God, aiming them with the wisdom of God. Because on their own, they're not going to get it. They're not going to come to those conclusions. So to the oblivious, teach and challenge them. The second kind of fool in your life is an obstinate fool. This kind of fool can, uh, the, the oblivious fool can tell the difference between right and wrong, but if you're an obstinate fool, you actually take pride in rejecting God's plan and purpose for life. It's not so much that you care that God is dead, is that you don't even care about God. They reject knowledge and understanding, and because they reject knowledge and understanding, they are constantly repeating the same mistakes. Proverbs 26, 11 is a beautiful word picture. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. When you have an obstinate fool, they will consistently fall in the same area over and over and over again. Like a dog returns to its vomit, a fool will return to his folly, to her folly. They'll return to that habit, that lifestyle, whatever that is, because they are not listening to the wisdom of God. How do you respond to a, an obstinate fool? I put in your notes here, you need to warn and beware. There's an old saying that says, never wrestle with a pig because you both get dirty and the pig likes it. Little wisdom here from just a fun saying. Same thing's true when we find ourselves trying to answer the argument of a fool. I'd encourage you not to argue to give an answer to this obstinate fool, but to seriously just warn them about what's going on. Sometime it may become apparent that they're unwilling to listen, and then you just walk away. But many people love arguing, and this fool here will argue and argue and argue, and they're just gonna waste your time and your energy. Give them a warning, but then also beware. Proverbs 17, 12, better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. Better to beat a bear robbed of it. You see what a mama bear does when his cubs have been taken? You don't want to be around that bear. You don't want to be around a foolish person, an obstinate fool who is being confronted. 
There's hope for them still, but they could easily turn on you like an angry bear and drag you into the mire with them. These fools are influences for the bad. And you might think because you're sweet and kind and godly and lovely, I'm different. I could love them. I'll be really close to them. I want to work with them. I want to play with them. I want to go to vacation with them. We're going to hang out all the time. We're going to be best buds. And I know I could pull them to God. This level of fool, you want to beware. Because as you live and try in all the right motives, all the right motives to reach in their life, what happens is they pull you down. You don't raise them up. Unless they heed your warning. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Be careful how close you befriend an obstinate fool lest his or her foolery influence your heart and life. And the last kind of fool in your life is the offensive fool. Proverbs 21, 24 says, the proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury. This sort of fool is not just obstinate, they're also antagonistic and offensive. They're aggressive toward others. They have a, a contentious spirit about them. This kind of person, the obstinate fool wants to do their own thing. This kind of fool wants to do their own thing and they want you to get in the pigsty with them. They're trying to drag you down and to stir up trouble. I don't, again, this is, again, don't answer this out loud, rhetorical question. Have you ever been in a group, maybe it's your own family, where there was a lot more peace when one person wasn't there? Everyone says, amen. You have people like that. When you know they're not there, you're like, oh, it's, it's gonna be better. So-and-so isn't coming. Because you know that person creates havoc when they arrive. Everyone's a little bit, and when they show up, everyone gets a little more stressed, a little bit more on edge, a little more frustrated. If you've never noticed that in a group, I'm scared because you're probably that person. Just letting you know. Proverbs 22 says this, verse 10. Drive out a scoffer, another word for fool, since strife will go out and quarreling abuse will cease. At some point, if you can get rid of that, you kind of move on from them. And sometimes you do have to deal directly with those offensive fools to protect the ones you love. It's not what you want. Our heart should be for redemption. You want to reach in their life. But sometimes if they are offending your family, they're reaching and they're crossing barriers they shouldn't cross, it's got to go. And sometimes these offensive fools publicly ridicule God. Could be by the water cooler in your office. It could be in your neighborhood. And they're demeaning God. They're demeaning his people. And the Bible would say in that situation, the fool needs to be confronted. In fact, remaining silent when a fool is blaspheming God or leading others to sin makes you guilty of joining in that sin. Don't let your silence tacitly lend that person credibility. It's so easy just to walk away from the ranting fool like, oh, you're just an idiot. But I encourage you, if the reputation of God is being sullied, feel free in love, don't just do the back to them what you did, what they're doing to you, but in love saying that's not who we are. 
That's not the God I serve. That's not the people I go to work and go to church with. Sometimes we have to confront, but nine times out of 10, the best response to an offensive fool is simply two things, avoid and pray, them, pray for them. When you have an offensive fool, normally the best things you can do is avoid them and pray for them. Why is that? Proverbs 13, one, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker, a fool, a scoffer, does not respond to rebukes. Proverbs 9, seven and eight, when whoever corrects a mocker invites insults, whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. In your heart, you're gonna wanna help people like this. But understand, you can't take the bait. Fools like this oftentimes throw things in front of you to see if they can make you snap. They know what your buttons are and they're pushing your buttons trying to see if you'll get into an argument with them when you know you shouldn't and they keep pushing your buttons, avoid them. Don't waste your time because only God could break through the hardened hearts of offensive fools. Nothing you can do will break through those hearts. God has to be the one that reaches into their soul and wakes them up. And that's why our final response to those fools is not just to avoid them, but then to pray for them. You may have to avoid the confrontation, but you have to be passionately praying for them at the same time. This is not disowning them as if they don't matter, they don't exist. They matter deeply to God. But the best thing you can do for an offensive fool is to say, I am gonna pray for you, that God would open up his love to you so that you could understand the grace and the goodness and kindness of the God that I serve. It's also praying for your own heart that perhaps God might use your life in some way to be part of their story of redemption so that no one has to go on in life living like a fool. Let's pray. If you're in one of these rooms, if you're here and uh, listening to this and you recognize that you have rejected God from your life, it is not too late for you. Jesus Christ came to save you. And this room is filled with potential believers who were also fools, but gave their life to God and submitted and surrendered to him. And if you're done being a fool and doing it your own way and living a life that leads to heartache and brokenness and anger and resentment, and you're saying, I'm done with it, I need a savior. You can do that right here today. If God has been pounding on your heart to say, yes, I admit I need help, I need a savior. And B, I believe that Jesus Christ, the son of God came here to earth 
to live a perfect life in my place, to die a death that I could never pay for, that he would pay the penalty for my foolishness, that I might be able to live out in the wisdom of God. If you believe that, then to choose to say, God, today I choose to surrender my heart and my mind and my soul and my strength to you. Help me no longer be a fool, but to be a child of God, walking in the wisdom of your word. Father God, I pray for those folks that prayed that today, that this would be an amazing start to their new life. Lord, for the rest of us who have walked with you perhaps for a long time, and yet we have areas in our life where we are playing the fool, may we be convicted of those areas, God. May we be challenged to change and to become more like you. I thank you for your grace, God, that's new every morning that wakes up with us, that sees our failure, but welcomes us back as children. We love you, God. Thank you for the wisdom of Christ that can guide our life in every area. We pray these things in your son's name, amen.